Welcome to the Burnout Recovery Podcast, a guiding resource dedicated to healthcare professionals on their journey to overcoming burnout. Spearheaded by Dr. Joe Braid, a certified professional coach and rehabilitation physician. This podcast offers practical strategies through expert interviews and personal resilience stories, providing invaluable tools for navigating professional challenges while prioritizing well-being. Regardless of your role in healthcare, this podcast acknowledges the toll of your work on your overall health and is committed to supporting your recovery from burnout and fostering a fulfilling, sustainable career. So if you're ready to begin a transformative journey, join us for each new episode. Together, we'll navigate challenges, celebrate successes, and build a supportive community of healthcare professionals. Hello and welcome back to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. I am absolutely delighted to welcome to the podcast today, Maggie Reyes, all the way from Florida in the US of A. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to dig into everything with you today. <laughs> so Maggie and I know each other from probably a couple of years ago or so when I was lucky enough to be coached by Maggie for six months, which was incredible. Maggie is a life coach and a marriage mentor who specializes in helping driven and ambitious women create the marriages of their dreams without waiting for their partners to change or adding more work to their lives. Maggie is the creator of the Marriage MBA program, a six-month mentorship in creating a successful marriage using principles from positive psychology, cognitive science, and simple coaching tools that you can learn today and apply tomorrow. Maggie, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. How are you and how has your week been so far? I am good. I am always delighted by modern technology, like that you could be I could be in Miami, Florida, and you could be completely on the other side of the world and that we could just talk as if we're right in front of each other. It, I am in awe and delight about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, great to great to connect again. Um, so what I'd love you to share um, with my audience as we get going today is, hey, a little bit of your life journey as to what brought you to where you are today. Ooh, fun. So I am a life coach. I help type A women have better marriages, as you mentioned. How did that happen? I was getting married. I had just gotten married and I had this experience when I met my husband and as I started living, you know, uniting our life together and everything, where I felt this incredible sense of rightness. So for everyone who's listening, you might feel that maybe if you have a hobby, like if you play tennis or if you sing or if you swim or you're just like in the flow of the moment, you might feel that with your kids. You might feel that with your partner. I hadn't really felt that um, feeling of like flow in the way that I did when I met him. And then what it did is it awoke in me everything that didn't feel that way. It just made me really uh -huh. present to all the parts of my life that didn't feel like they were in that flow. So the way I got here really was I took aptitude tests, I took workshops, I went on retreats, I did like a ton of things to basically as an adult say, what do I wanna be when I grow up? Mm. <laughs> and at the time I worked in HR and I had like two paths that I could walk down. I was like, oh, I could continue, continue in HR, do continuing education, become a VP of HR somewhere, 
or I could take coach training. And I took coach training and here I am. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. So the decision and the fork in the road yes. and choosing. Yes which way you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which we all uh -huh. have different forks in our road, right? And sometimes, I know you teach so much on burnout prevention and burnout recovery, and sometimes it's burnout that is awful, but becomes a gift that shows us, this is not for me. This path that I'm on is not the path. I need to change something yes. about what I'm doing. And so, and I definitely, I don't know if I had like clinically defined burnout, but I definitely had times in my life that I felt overwhelmed and overworked and where I had to take pauses and look around and mm. decide like what's next for me. So I just relate to that so deeply. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So good. Having that awareness, being open to sort of looking inward, I guess, and yeah. recognizing in yourself the unbalance or the, the change that you are noticing in yourself and then getting curious around that. And yeah. sometimes I think for everyone listening, like obviously you're listening to this mm. podcast because you have an interest in burnout in some way. And maybe a friend mm -hmm. has told you or a loved one has told you, hey, I'm worried about you. For me, one of yeah. the times that really shook me was, Joe knows this because Joe and I know each other really well, but I'm a very naturally enthusiastic person. So I'm very sort of effervescent, right? Is, is, is kind of like my baseline. <laughs> and my husband sat me down one day and he said, your light is dimming and I'm worried about you. And if really? I didn't have that reflection of someone who cared about me, who saw me every day and saw the light dimming, I don't know that I had the self-awareness to figure that out by myself, which is why this mm -hmm. podcast is great. Talking about it, talking about what does it look like? How does it work? Like, what are the signs? It's so important because had he not sat me down, I probably would have continued going and gotten worse and really had then physiological shutdowns or like my body out of whack or whatever. But because he sat me down, I was like, okay, I think we need to make some changes. And that's also one of the yeah. ways that I ended up getting here in the sense that I was in an HR working corporate type of role. And I was like, okay, I think I need to do something different. And so that was part of probably burnout prevention for me. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Changing listening, changing. Um, yeah. Okay. So good. Well, let's get into the, some of the questions here, Maggie. That's so helpful. What is generally happening when someone is feeling unhappy or burnt out in their marriage? Yeah, I think when we feel resentful or tired, overwhelmed all the time, it's some of the same things you would see at work, right? Like what's happening when you're feeling burned down at work? Like, Joe, what are like the top three signs? that you would say to someone? So you're cynical, you don't think you're producing as much or as efficient as you usually are, and you're absolutely exhausted in the workplace and certainly at the end of the day. Yeah. So same, same, especially that's so interesting, mm -hmm. that cynical. One of the keys to a healthy relationship is to assume positive intent. And when mm -hmm. we're burned out in our relationship, in our marriage or our intimate relationship, we like no longer have the ability or the emotional capacity to assume positive intent from my partner. We're just like, they're yeah. just pissing me off, right? They're just whatever. Instead of saying, oh, they might be having a hard day too. Like we don't have the space to even consider what's going on for them. That would definitely be mm. a sign that cynicism is a yeah. sign um, that something is going on where, and if it's, if you think about burnout, 
something is going on that it's too much for too long. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, sort of the idea that we have an innate negative bias or negativity bias. Yeah. And if you look out, this came up over the summit that I was at recently. If you're looking out for the things that are going wrong around mm -hmm. you, that negativity bias that we do have in our mm -hmm. brain um, will keep on looking out for the wrong things around us. So can you teach us around like how the value of having that positive intent for your partner mm -hmm. when our brains sometimes are looking for yeah. the things that are going wrong? Mm -hmm. So almost any marriage coach or, or marriage counselor or anyone who works on relationships like this is not unique to me but i i think about it in some unique ways but if a, a relationship is struggling one of the very first interventions we do is gratitude it's like what okay. is working what can i acknowledge in this person and sometimes gratitude feels too big so some of the people listening to us are like i don't know about gratitude right so if gratitude feels too big we just use the word acknowledgement can i acknowledge that my partner um, warms the coffee in the morning? Can I acknowledge that my partner, you know, locks the door so that I can take a nap? Like whatever the different things, there are many, many little things mm. that when we start looking for them, most of us in most situations, our partners do things that make our life easier and we tune them out. The negativity bias drowns that out. We ignore and discount those things. And then we get more cynical and more cynical and more cynical. So how do we break that pattern? What do we do to break yeah. it? We just start right. looking for the small things and start acknowledging those things. Even if it's not directly to our partner, it could just be mentally noticing the things that they're doing. That is yeah. one of the ways that we break that pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And sort of that ripple effect that may come through from um, starting to acknowledge that and then maybe choosing to action that in a different way. Yes. After reflecting on it in yourself, yes. then how might that look? Because yes. people in burnout can be insular and they can withdraw and they can mm -hmm. um, retract from their closest people at home and also their team and colleagues in the workplace if we're thinking about that. So, once they've built up that sort of acknowledgement muscle, maybe um, in a self-reflective way, what might else you see that people are starting to do um, towards others? Can you say that differently? I'm not, I want to make sure I'm tracking. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just sort of seeing how that um, can grow, how that can change once you are starting the acknowledgement process, mm -hmm. like internally, you're like, oh, I noticed my partner, mm -hmm. um, made me a coffee mm -hmm. this morning and you might not be externally mm -hmm. um recognizing that in them mm -hmm. but yeah i'm just just sort of as things um start to change what else might you um notice that person who's whose light i guess is growing yes. again we talk about dimming the light we talk about it growing yes. up again it's great to see some of the burnout recoveries yes um trajectory that yes. happens in people yeah so what um, happens is so we have a reticular activation system it's like the thing that notices stuff in our brain and when we start mm -hmm. looking for what's going right that system, mm -hmm. it's like you turn a switch on and you start noticing more things that are going right. So if you're right. doing, so in the Marriage MBA, which is my coaching program, I do a 30-day gratitude challenge. 
And one of the things that is unique about how we approach it there, which anybody can just do this now, this can be your coaching homework if you want it, is if you sure. feel underappreciated or unseen, mm-hmm. the way we do the challenge is you can do it on your partner. So you can look there for 30 days for one thing that they're doing well, but you can also mm-hmm. do it on yourself. So for the okay. next 30 days, what am I proud of? What do I want to acknowledge myself for? Okay, this morning I got out of bed. I had a difficult meeting with a coworker. I helped you know, my kids with their homework or whatever it is you want to acknowledge yourself mm-hmm. for. You start doing that, especially if you feel unseen or unappreciated. We start with yeah. seeing ourselves and appreciating ourselves. And then we start noticing, because that reticular activation system kicks in, we start noticing more of what's going right. And it's mm. this weird thing where then somebody gives us a compliment. And sometimes it's maybe somebody wasn't giving us compliment before, but sometimes we were mm. getting these compliments and we were just discounting them and we weren't even like emotionally available to even see that they were happening. Yeah. So that's okay. one of the ways that you start noticing something's different. So you go to work and you're like, oh, that person you know told me that i looked lovely today or that i did a great job on the report Mm. and your brain Mm. registers it sees it versus not showing it yeah yeah great thanks maggie yeah i love the idea of that 30-day acknowledgement um or or gratitude challenge there really great idea yeah so when we were coaching one of the first things you told me about um was referencing the book on burnout by the Nagoski sisters, mm-hmm. Emily and Amelia. Yes, Emily and Amelia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great book. Highly recommend if people are looking for um, a great book with a lovely sort of storyline through it, as well as lots of research and references there. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you told me about was um, ways to discharge stress yes. from a day mm-hmm. where there may be multiple sort of micro stressors mm-hmm. And there's a visual in my mind that you taught me um, of multiple little micro stressors, like the pager going off Mm -hmm. just when you sat down to have your lunch Mm -hmm. or um, some tricky interaction that you had with an unexpected response by somebody or the delay on your journey to work and these multiple different things Mm -hmm. that are little micro stressors and burnout is sometimes termed not exactly death, but just sort of injury by a thousand paper cuts. Mm-hmm. So I'd love you to share with my audience, please, what are some of those um, tools we can use to be discharging those micro stressors on a regular basis mm-hmm. so that our body, and why do we do that for our body and our brain's sake? Absolutely. And this is one of my favorite topics. I love talking about this because it's something that we're all affected by and we never talk about. So we all go Mm -hmm. through it and we never talk about it. So this is great. So one of the things I noticed, so I coach professional women that are juggling a lot of things, right? They're juggling their careers, their, their family, their projects, like all of these different things. And as I coached a wide variety of people with a wide variety of backgrounds and nationalities and just different things in their life, I started to see this very common dynamic that I just sat down one day and I started thinking about. And I gave it a name, and the, I love how you use the word microstressors. I call it compound stress syndrome. And compound stress mm. syndrome works like this. Imagine, so for everyone listening, imagine semicircles, like 10 semicircles, one after another, after another, after another. So you have this huge sort of swirl of open semicircles. 
So you have, like you said, the pager goes off right when you sit down at lunch. And then the teacher from the school that your kid is at, you know, sends you an email. And then uh, if you're a doctor, like something happens to one of your patients. And then your mother-in-law calls. And like all of these different things. And you have all these open loops. And they don't happen when we talk about stress. We think about the forest and the and the lions and the tigers and the bears, right? Mm, we don't have yeah. a forest. We're not with lions and tigers and bears. What we have is like 50 committees that we all report for and the boss who changed the deadline and all those things. And those things don't happen in a neat little box. Like at three o'clock, we have one stressor, but then we don't have the next one until four. That isn't how it works, mm -hmm. right? It's like sure. between three and 4.45, 17 stressful things have occurred. That yeah. is compound stress syndrome. So what happens is we have all of these stressors and we're walking around exhausted, maybe pre-burnout for some people or fully mm -hmm. in burnout for others. And we're like, yes. why am I so tired? I just don't know. It's like, because you have 17 <laughs> stressors that are yes. open loops taking up space in your brain and in your body. So, mm. so I observed this dynamic just across like all of these different situations. And then when I read Emily's book, what she talked about is closing the stress cycle. So those semicircles, what we want to do with them is we want to close them. And what I loved about how she describes how to close them is she addressed something that I had never seen addressed in that specific way before I read it in her book. And that I tell all my clients, like, you have to know this. So yes. there's the stress and there's the stressor. So there is replying to the email, baking the cupcakes, like doing the thing in the material world that needed to be done. But then mm -hmm. there's the closing the stress loop in your body that tells your body, I am safe now. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of us are really good at checking off boxes and doing the things that need to be done in the world, but not as good at closing the stress loops in our body. So that's yeah. your second part of your question, which is what do we do? Mm. How do we close those? So any type of self-soothing activity to give you just an umbrella will close mm -hmm. a stress cycle. So it could be listening to music that you love. It could be taking a nap. It could be reading a book. It could be calling a friend. It could be taking a walk. Mm -hmm. Physical activity of any kind from walking, dancing, exercising, playing a sport, is very useful as a stress reliever to the body. So any kind of movement is yay approved, all the check marks. <laughs> and then there's just whatever brings you comfort, whatever helps you relax. So if you have a pet playing with your pet, if you have kids just hanging out, playing with them, like play yes. is itself a, so anything that you would associate with play, whether it's playing a game, painting like hobbies of that are playful in nature where you use your creativity yes and what's happening when you close a stress loop is very simple it's telling your body i am safe like the danger mm. has passed there are, there is no lion in the form of your boss or in the form of the mother-in-law or in the form of whoever right the head of the committee sure right it tells yes. your body the danger has passed and then it allows your body to go into repair hmm yeah, great. So good. Thank you, Maggie. Really well explained. 
last night, the five of us, so that's my husband and myself and our three sons, <clears throat> were all playing backyard cricket. And it's actually great that there are five of us now and everybody's like yes. on it. Yes. So yeah, that was like half an hour playing um, in the yard together after dinner, long evenings now, just beautiful. So good. good. Discharging of stress yes. for every, everybody in the family. The kids have it too, yes, right? They of have course. unexpected things on them. Of course. Yeah. yeah, it's a great thing to do as a family. It creates connection, obviously, in your family, but it's such a yes. great um, stress cycle completion. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And and the idea is that you you look to do that daily. Daily. You know, I yeah. Daily. I think we're not trying to add to to-do lists. We're yeah. we're inviting you to close the loop. I think that's a really different feeling than adding to a to-do yeah. list. Let's close this loop yes. and bring that safety before we rest, before we go to bed. And so, let's check how many open loops we don't need to open. Right. So as I've oh, been working okay. through this, I remember I had a client who was a professor in a university and she would check her work email every weekend. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she could respond and sometimes the response just required, you know, a whole explanation or a deeper thing that she wasn't going to respond. So she was very yeah. stressed. And what would happen is she'd read these emails and then just have this open loop that couldn't be completed. So sure. it's like, what are the things in our life where we don't have to open the loop in the first place? Yes, that's good. I like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in her case, like uh -huh. her coaching homework was stop checking your email on the weekends. Like if sure. you're not on call and you're not on duty and nothing is actually happening, which so many of us have situations like that, I don't actually have to do that. Some yes. people they're on call, you have to do it. No, no problem. This is not for you. Right. But for the people that, <laughs> that can do that, it was like, yeah, she had to not check it and then feel the discomfort of like not being mm. updated or, or not knowing what she was going to, you know, see on Monday when she got to work. But then she could work through that stress. Right. Sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah great. Really good. Nice. Yeah. Good. The discomfort of putting up boundaries and sort of seeing how that feels for yourself, holding yourself through that process. Mm -hmm. And then like the next weekend, oh, how does it feel yes. like second time round? Yes. Huh. Great. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of these wonderful tools that you have, please, Maggie. I, I think, you know, I haven't had an expert like you on my podcast so far, and we can talk about burnout all the time. And I would love my audience to leave with some of your amazing tools that you do have to share. So when someone wants to be happy again in their marriage, mm -hmm. what do you find that really means? I mean... If you're with someone that you have a foundation of love for and you feel dissatisfied, we just want to listen to that dissatisfaction. Like we just want to check what's going on that's creating the feeling of being unsettled or restless or if there's like, I call it like a low-grade annoyance that never goes away. It's like mm -hmm. very often in relationships, kind of like the person they're fine but we just have this low grade annoyance that's just there all the time um and anybody who's felt that is like oh yeah that's right that is what it feels like, like it's nothing terrible but it's just i'm not delighted and one of my filters mm -hmm. i like to use a lot in life is the idea of delight 
Like, yeah. Like, okay. am I delighted at work? Am I delighted with my friends? I was so delighted to come on the podcast. I couldn't wait to talk to Joe. I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be so Me awesome. too. Right. So it's oh. like that filter of delight. How much, mm. how, how often could we fill our lives with more delight? Life is going to be hard. Mm. We're going to have tough things to do. Like we will have the whole spectrum of experience. So this is not to um, invalidate that in any way. But it's like, but how much can we focus on cultivating more delight to give us resilience to deal with all the hard things we're going to have, no matter what? Yeah. So when someone's frustrated in their marriage and they're like, I want to be happier, it's like, what's going on? Are you not talking enough? Are you arguing too much? Are you wishing that something was different? Is your schedule overwhelming? Are you taking too much on at home or at work? We just want to sort of get through like what is happening and then we see like where that leads you. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, would it be an analogy to be like a pebble in the shoe? Sometimes it's a pebble in the shoe. I mean, sometimes it's like a boulder in the house, but sometimes (laughs) sometimes it's a pebble in the shoe. And you really love that analogy, Joel, because for everyone listening, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's a relationship with a family member, if you're Mm. feeling a pebble in the shoe, let's catch it before it grows. Yes. Right. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good one. Okay. So, so have you just shared this? What is the number one simple tool that you teach that helps someone find happiness in their marriage again? I think, I mean, if you ask me five times in five days, I'll give you five different tools. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but today, what I would say is something you and I both do a lot, which is we just question mm. the thoughts that yes. are creating the feeling of discontent or upsetness or frustration. So the number one tool is just start to question the thoughts. What am I thinking about this? Mm. Is there anything mm. else I could think about this? And one of right. my favorite questions to ask is like, what else is also true? Okay. Yes. Whether it's with mm-hmm. my partner or with my boss or whatever situation I'm going through is like, okay, I have this thing going on. I'm not happy about it. What else is also true? That often just yeah. opens up a different way forward with whatever situation you're working through. Yeah. Okay. Great. I like that. Yeah. Really a nice open question there. I've got one area that I want to ask you about, Maggie, and it is, I'm aware that you worked in the cruise ship industry. Mm -hmm. So were you in HR in cruise ship world? So for everyone Mm -hmm. listening, I used to work in fleet personnel. I used to travel all over the world, hiring the people who worked on the ships And then I went and it worked in a luxury yacht where I did, I was recruitment manager, but I also did oversaw training and a bunch of other parts of HR. So I did a lot of different HR functions in the cruise industry. I can't wait to see what you ask me. I'm so excited. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's it's some question that's something around, um, you know, how is that experience that the um, guest has mm-hmm. when they are on a cruise ship mm-hmm. that seems to be so welcoming, we're so glad you're here, what else um, can we put out on offer for you today? I have been on one cruise, which was about eight days long with a dance troupe mm-hmm. like way back when, which was amazing fun. Um, and um there's there's some question around can 
Could you imagine a hospital system having any parallels with that, like, warmth and that invitation and that human, the humanity, the human-to-human connection that I received in being an attendee back in 2007? Because there's something about how either you select the people or you train the people or you support the people. I just wonder what healthcare can learn from the cruise industry. so interesting. I love that you're asking me this because I'm a total nerd about relationship science and about human resources. So I actually have two answers about this. So I worked in hospitality for many years as we've established, and there is an institute that's called the Ritz-Carlton Institute. So the Mm Ritz-Carlton actually has a program where they teach their service principles across different disciplines and one of the things they do is they work with hospitals to bring the service they really do so they bring the service level the training around what client experience and client culture looks like and they help hospital systems they help schools and a bunch of other types of places but this actually exists where people are actually doing this so just for everyone to know um, sure. And so, yes, to answer your question, there are so many parallels in, and it's so funny because I used to hire the doctors and the nurses that worked on the ships. Mm. So I'm also very yeah, well versed on like that. the medical part of what happens. Yes. Um, yes. And so if we think about the culture on a ship, it's that warm welcome. It's that we're happy you're here. And it's that like, we are here to help and support you. Mm-hmm. There is literally no barrier to teaching this in a hospital setting to having the values of the hospital be, we want people to feel like they're in their home away from home if they have to be inpatient. Mm -hmm. And we want people to feel like we are on their team if they're outpatient, right? It starts with the values of the hospital system and then how we express those values and behaviors. Mm -hmm. And what we did when we were training in customer service on the ships is what are the behaviors that a warm welcome would have? So. Um, there's different kinds of rules at the Ridge Carlton. It's, if no, someone is within, um, I don't know, two or three feet of you, you will always greet that person. Like there's a, just a rule okay. that exists. Yeah. And then everybody on the team knows that rule. And we're just like, within two or three persons, like, good morning, good afternoon, welcome, you know, whatever the greeting might be. Right. Yes, These are right. repeatable behaviors that can be trained at any level. To me, mm. I think that with hospitals specifically, It's like, do we prioritize the human interaction as much as we prioritize the science of the medical intervention? Great question. And in many hospitals, we value the science of the medical intervention, Mm -hmm. but we don't Mm -hmm. value the, the human connection. And we can see that we don't value that when doctors are measured in their compensation and how fast they see patients. Yes. Yes. Versus Mm -hmm. on patient satisfaction or, or patient like, feeling fully informed about all their options and taking the time to explore different ones. Like what we measure is what we prioritize. Yes. True. So true. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Love that question. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Maggie. 
great insights. And, you know, if we bring it back to the individual that might be experiencing burnout or pre-burnout in a healthcare system, yes. it can often be to do with a misalignment of values as well. And I find that interesting to ponder and consider in the cruise industry. Yes. You know, is your interview process, is your recruitment process looking at the values of the individual or do you think the individual almost self-selects? I like the values of the Ritz-Carlton mm -hmm. Institute. I like the values of XYZ uh, company that you were working That's with. That's so interesting because we used to joke around that, you know, in hospitality, if you're going to work in hospitality, you have to be hospitable. <laughs> <laughs> right so there's something yeah. about the person who's attracted to that um industry overall that is just like i like to help people i like to be around mm -hmm. people i like to support people yeah. and i think that's so true yes. for anyone who works whether it's an admin or support roles or in or in you know um physician roles or or any kinds of, mm -hmm. of roles is like we want to help and heal people right I think that yes, the, the yes. baseline is very, very similar. I think it would be super interesting if hospitals recruited from hotels. Like yeah, that could right. be for some of yes. the admin roles or some of the like front uh, office welcome type yes. roles. That could be a super interesting synergy. <laughs> Couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that when you're interviewing, it depends on the position. It depends on the role. When you're in a more senior mm. leadership role, I think when I was a recruiter, I would spend more time on what are your leadership values? How do you think, mm. you know, how do you think a leader leads and what do you think is important about it? When I was interviewing for junior roles, it was much more, I think, tactical in nature. It was like, these are the skills. Do you have the skills? Tell me how you practice the skills. Yes. But we certainly yes. always were screening for, does this person come across as warm or friendly or approachable right everybody's not gonna mm -hmm. have the same like joe and i are very warm people right sure not mm -hmm. everyone is gonna be to our level <laughs> of warmth <laughs> in this um and yeah. so that would also the same in the hospital setting there's people that are behind the scenes making sure everything runs hmm. we don't sure. care how much do we care about that we care a little bit we don't want to hire jerks but we don't care as much but the people who are sort mm. of on the front lines Yes, that would be something we would measure, I think, more, pay more closer attention to. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, great. There's that, that thread of empathy running yes. through there to a degree as well. And that's something to be mindful. We see that can decrease with pre-burnout and coming into burnout as well. And that can just be another uh, like feeling or thing you're aware of to be looking out for mm -hmm. if if you're noticing you're just not as empathetic with, again, your partner, yes. your kids, or in the workplace as well. I love so. that you mentioned empathy because mm. if you're the person mm. who is applying for a job in a hospital system and you want right. to check your values with their values, a question that yes. I would ask is what are the resources that I have to do my job? This okay. is a very interesting thing because if we look at the Ritz Carlton as an example of like five star service and we just get inspiration from that model, one of the mm -hmm. things they do is they empower anybody in any role in their organization to like solve the problem that's presented to them. And they actually have an allowance, like they have a certain amount of money that if they need to do something to solve the, the gas problem, they're empowered mm -hmm. to do it. Right. But how many yeah. of us know friends and, and family members and colleagues in healthcare where you know what needs to be done to help the person and you are not mm. empowered to do it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
Okay, so quite a different model. I'm thrilled that you shared this, Maggie. Thank you. It's um, very insightful. And my tennis coach, he used to coach at Ritz-Carlton Miami. Oh, I love it. Like years back, we are talking about maybe getting a trip for the tennis girls to go over there. I will definitely tell you if we do end up heading out there. Maggie, I think we are rounding out our podcast interview today. You know, we could keep going for hours. I reckon we could. Would you like to share with my audience one self-care habit that you rarely miss, please? Ooh, one self-care habit that I rarely miss. Okay, this is the one. So I've done this since high school. I don't even remember when I didn't do it. So since a long time, every weekend, I always have a pajama day. I have a day that I'm in my pajamas the whole day and I do not leave the house. And it's part of my whole planning. It's part of like how we decide what we're going to do and when. So if we have like errands Mm -hmm. to run or different things, like let's say we have family brunch. So it's like, okay, family brunch day, we're going out. So we're also going to do this, this, and this because then the other day is my pajama day. And I get it. Almost always. Occasionally something happens like this weekend, actually. We have something on each day and I'm like, oh, there's no pajama day this weekend. (laughs) But that is something for me personally where I just need that sort of decompression time to like read a romance novel, watch a movie, Mm -hmm. not do anything like work related. And I need it to be not just for a couple of hours. Everybody's going to be different. For me, I just need a whole pajama day. (laughs) Wow. Great. Look at that. Yeah. I hear like sort of refilling the tank, refueling your car. Yes. Um, Yeah, not not having sort of external pressures and time schedules that you've got to get to on that day. Just, yeah, yeah, gifting it to yourself. Mm -hmm. And prioritizing it. And sometimes it requires me saying no to things in order to protect that time Mm -hmm. or reschedule things. Uh, I think that's the part that can become hard sometimes for any self-care activity. Mm -hmm. We yeah. minimize how important it is to do the things that nourish us. Yes. And those are the mm. things that prevent burnout, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Thank you for sharing that, Maggie. Let's find out um, where people can reach out to you. If someone wants help to have a better, happier marriage today, how can they connect with you? Oh, well, first of all, <laughs> I will warmly welcome them with a Ritz-Carlton kind of welcome. And they can find me at MaggieReyes.com. And I have in there how you can opt in to get my emails. You can see everything that I share online. I have the five questions every woman should ask themselves to have a better marriage. So you will get that automatically when you send it for those emails. If you like Mm -hmm. um, Instagram, I'm on Instagram at TheMaggieReyes. You can follow me there. And get little nuggets of inspiration, little things that will just help you think differently and more powerfully about your primary relationship if you're in a long-term loving relationship. Mm. And you have an extensive podcast with a lot of episodes, including maybe one we did together, right? We should link to that in the show notes. So I had (laughs) Joe on the podcast. He was amazing. And it's called the (laughs) Marriage Life Coach Podcast. And I have so much fun. Just talking about marriage from a little bit of a different lens, from that positive psychology sort of constructive lens. And so if you love podcasts, definitely subscribe and go back and start at episode one and just walk through it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Maggie, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you on my podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insights, your wisdom, and your laughter that you bring to so many spheres in your life. It's been great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for spending some time with us. This is just such an amazing experience, again, to be halfway across the world and be so close and feel so so together. Thank you, Maggie. We'll put all the links to where people can find you. Wishing you a great week ahead. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Burnout Recovery Podcast. If there's someone in your world who would also benefit from this, please share it with them. Remember, you are not alone and there is hope for a brighter, more fulfilling future. Let's continue this journey together one episode at a time. For more resources, including how to move from dread to delight, head to drjoebraid.com.